Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello and welcome again here to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan and Robin Washett as we are moving you through the month of January and between transfer portals and coaching hires and moves, it's been a very, very busy month of January. And that's where I want to start, Robin, as we kick off today's show. The final piece of the Scott Frost coaching staff now done. TCU's Brian Applewhite who was at Colorado State before that, and then um, Louisiana Monroe before that, and then Wyoming, uh, 21-year coaching veteran, uh, will come in as the new running backs coach. Um, so finalizing the new additions to the staff, and I mean, if you count Bill Bush as a new addition, they've hired five of the you know five new assistants on the staff right now. I mean, it's really, when you break it down like that, it is pretty nuts. I mean, they had four offensive coaches leave, and then Tony Tuioti leave, um, and they'll be, you know, over half of the coaches will be new for Nebraska in 2022. Yeah, and then that's not even talking with some reassignments with Mike Dawson taking over as the interior defensive line coach and the, I guess you call it edge rushers is, is what they called it. So um, some reworking of, of some titles there. Um, and so a lot of new faces, new responsibilities, but that's what needed to happen. Um, they could not continue to do status quo and expect things to suddenly change overnight. And then you got to credit Scott Frost, you know, whether this was, um, you know, some of this was forced on him or not. He still made the moves and he made some good ones. I think when you look back at what they were able to accomplish this off season with rebuilding this staff, these hires are about as good and as natural of fits as you probably could have expected. And so the, you know, they've, they've done their part to this point. And now it's a matter of, you know, getting this team on the field, um, assembling, you know, the guys that they brought in through the transfer portal, the guys coming back uh, and getting this thing to uh, elevate on the field, not just, uh, you know, over the off season with your coaching staff. And we're going to get into transfer portal stuff. We're going to talk about the new schedule being released, but I want to focus on this new staff so Brian Applewhite will coach running backs. Mickey Joseph will coach wide receivers. Mark Whipple, offensive coordinator and the quarterbacks coach. Donovan Riola will be the offensive line coach. And then Sean Becton remains at tight end. I mean, the number one thing that really jumps out to me, Robin, is the diversity now on this offensive staff mm-hmm. compared to what it was. I mean, uh, they have an African-American now running backs coach, African-American tight ends coach and wide receivers coach and a Polynesian offensive line coach. Um, and, you know, and I'm not saying – that should be the end-all, be-all when you're hiring and looking for a staff. But in recruiting, it is important, um, you know, and maybe relating to players, it is important, especially at positions like running back and the wide receiver coach. And um, I like the emphasis that Frost made. Uh, when you look at Nebraska staff, it was probably one of the least diverse staffs you'd see at this level of Power 5 football. And uh, they've addressed that, I think, with, you know, kind of getting things back to where they should be when you're talking about recruiting and other things. Yeah, and I think that's where it that factor uh, is as important as anything. I mean, you got guys that 
uh, can you know relate to players at, at their respective positions Parents. and and the regions that they they come from. I mean, obviously, Mickey Joseph has ties to Louisiana, and Sean Becton has ties to Georgia and and the, and the Southeast. And then um, you know with Applewhite, who just spent the last few years down in Texas. So I mean, they've got footprints now in the most. Uh, fertile recruiting hotbeds in the country right now, and um, that's something that they absolutely have to tap into. It's it's not just a matter of uh, you know developing the product on the field. It's, it's getting the Jimmys and the Joes to to take this thing to the next level. Yeah, and and now you look at uh, you know the, this getting this thing back together. The spring practices will start, Robin, February twenty eighth. So that's I mean we're six weeks out from no. the open of spring practice. Um, it's back to being regular again this year. Um, hey, the good news, Robin, for us Lincoln people that have kids or wives in LPS, Nebraska spring break is now the same week as the LPS spring break. That's always nice. Um, so we got that going for us for the first <laughs> time ever that um, we'll all be home at the same time with our families over the, the break. But Nebraska will do presumably two weeks of practice, take a week off, and that's the spring break week. And then they come back for three more weeks. Um, so you, you've got a lot going on there. Um, we didn't hit on this, Robin, but combine invites have gone out mm-hmm. early on. JoJo Doman and Cam Taylor Britt, the only two right now for Nebraska. Not a total surprise. Cam Jurgens probably will get one. Um, you know, the way I understand it is underclassmen, you know, will start getting a big chunk of them, but, you know, early 250 or 260 go out to the top guys that are, you know, draft eligible. And then you have a big pool of underclassmen. And then maybe 15 or 20 more go back out to eligible guys that didn't get them. Uh, but I'm thinking to myself, Austin Allen may not get a combine invite. I know, which is crazy. I mean, you're Damian Daniels may not get a combine invite. Big 10 invite. tight end of the year is not getting a, a combine invite. And I think the challenging thing for Austin Allen, when you talk about a guy like that, he was going to be a super senior. So he could not get a grade from the NFL evaluation. Super seniors, six-year players – are not eligible to get a grade. So, you know, the feedback you have to get, it comes from, you know, people tied to the NFL. And Nebraska's staff has three or four, you know, between general managers and scouts. They have some pretty good people that give them, um, you know, advice. And I think the advice Daniels and, and Allen did get were, you know, they probably should come back. Uh, but both guys just wanted to go pro. And, you know, if you don't get a combine invite, that is a major blow. Um, how about Samari Torre, too? No combine invite for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is the deepest draft year we've seen, Robin, in terms of depth in the draft because of COVID. A lot of guys came back another year, so it's really kind of jammed the draft up this year where to get drafted, it's, it's going to be a really deep NFL draft in 2022. Well, and the undrafted free agent pool is probably going to be as plentiful as we've ever seen. I mean, there's going to be a lot of – NFL starters that won't get drafted this year just because I mean there's only so many picks and there's so many uh, so many evaluations you can get back only so many combine invites you can get so um, you know, this is one of those years where you look at you know did a guy make the right decision or not going pro you got to hold off on that and just see kind of what they make a rock, like, I mean look, look at Jack how Stoll. many pre- yeah how many preferred uh, you know camp invites are you going to get and all that stuff yeah Jack Stoll is a perfect example and you know Divine Zigbo Caprio uh, Boodle yeah so uh, Boodle, Stanley Morgan all those guys so Boodle and Stoll could have come back for a six year they didn't get a combine invite they didn't get drafted they both made active rot not practice squads mm-hmm. active rosters Matt Fardiak Brennan Hymas were drafted they made they were on actives right yeah so, yeah Matt Fardiak um, played. So the only guy I believe that went pro last year that didn't make it was Dedrick Mills. 
So I mean, all of those guys made the right decision. And I think if you're Austin Allen, you know, I think he's like, look, I think I'm as good or better than Jack Stoll. What I've been told could hurt Austin Allen is special teams. You know, when you're a third tight end on an NFL roster, or even a second tight end, right? You know, you got to be able to run down and and play specials or block or, or you know be one of those interior and, guys. And that's where Jack Stoll's strength was. He was big enough that I mean, he could be a uh, you know interior kickoff type guy or a punt team guy. So that you know, that's when you start to talk about making a team as a bottom ten guy on a roster. That the special teams element will be really big. DiCaprio Boodles, we know, can play specials. He can run. I mean, Absolutely. he's a legit four four guy. Uh, Jojo Dolman, I'm really intrigued. Um, he was in Omaha Thursday, or Wednesday night, received the Tom Novak Award, which the media voted on. Did you vote on that this year? Um, in the, I got the thing. I just never never sent it in. But, yeah, he, he was there, received his award, um, you know, and, and he's back kind of getting himself ready to go. So it'll be interesting with the Senior Bowl with him and Cam Taylor Britt both down there in Mobile. Uh, what that does, and that doesn't take place until the week before the Super Bowl. I think JoJo has an opportunity to vault up draft boards just because, for one, he's going to test really well. He's a freak athlete, and they're going to see his combination of being as big as he is and as athletic as he is. He's going to interview well, But too. he's going to interview extremely well. So when they have those meetings and the guys try to you know throw him off with weird questions, I mean, he's been working with you for however long on that Yeah, we podcast, talked about doing so, this podcast. I mean, yeah. it was fun. I mean, he got him. Exactly. I mean, he, he was he's, pretty sharp. He's going to be as prepped as you could possibly be for, for that situation. So I think he's going to really impress both with his – athleticism and his maturity personality and intelligence people have asked me who's the next jojo doman podcast we're going to do it and I go, it's not a guarantee i mean no, no. jojo was a special talent i mean he he could do it i don't know who that guy is on the roster right now if there is a guy that a would want to do it yeah that was he was motivated to do it like it was he, something he like yeah he wanted to do and it was sponsored there was charity and things involved into it and mm. He had good guests. I mean, it, it was. It wasn't just an NIL check. It was like something that, like, it was a creative outlet for him. Oh yeah, that, that I mean, he could kind of put, brand himself a little bit. Yeah. So, who's gonna who's gonna have that same mentality and, to do it every week, win or lose? Yeah, and that was the hard thing. People forget JoJo came up here every single Sunday or Monday after really tough losses. When I'm sure the last thing he wanted to do was get it and sit in front of a microphone for an hour. I mean, yeah, you got to credit. I mean, like, there's rare athletes that want to do that and you know with with our with our mcgowan show i mean their basketball season is not going well but they still want to do it keep doing it yeah, yeah. and so i mean I, I think there's there's just a mentality that it's not just about having a big personality it's about having the drive to want to grind through a weekly podcast all right robin the new schedule came out which meant we were really busy trying to rework our hotel plans for 2022 Absolutely. Um, and we did successfully along with andy kendy i've always said that if sean if you ever get out of the sports media business you were a travel agent <laughs> you're born to be a travel agent you get us the best hotels and the best locations and the best flight schedule that you could possibly imagine. It's always like a year or two in advance. Well, we did it's all elite. right, other than Michigan. I did not get us in Ann Arbor because it was they already had a home game that weekend. Right. So we're looking at six hundred bucks a night to stay in Ann Arbor, and that that unless you want to, we'll make it work. Sleep on the pullout couch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but all right, when we come back, let's talk new schedule. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. 
You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, talking new schedule. But before we do that, Robin, I want to talk about Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill, proud segment sponsor of the show. NFL playoffs, by the way, Robin, NFL playoffs Saturday, Sunday, mm-hmm. and Monday. I'm a fan of it. it I mean, it, it's cool. And the Chiefs play Sunday night. Uh, but guess who's going to have all the games on? Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill. And you may or may – I was in there Monday night for the national championship game. Had a church meeting. Um, <laughs> we were going over some stuff for a thing uh, that we're doing. And great place. I mean, so many tables, great views of the TV, cold beer, wings, burgers, everything. They have specials almost every night of the week. Get on into Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill, 30th and Yankee Hill. They will have all of the NFL action on, and you may see Robin Washington there. And they'll have Nebraska basketball on Friday night, too. Yeah, I will not be there for that one, but maybe come playoff time, especially the uh, that Monday game is intriguing. Just Monday playoff football, that's that's new. and uh, The ratings are going to be massive. I know. I gotta, we got to do it right. All right, we'll get into Tanner's proud segment sponsor. But, Robin, let's talk about the new schedule for the Huskers as – um, that just came out this week. And, you know, I, I think what really jumped out to me is how favorable and, – and trust me, Nebraska is a 3-9 team. So I'm not going to come on here and say, like, they're going to start out 8-1. and one. Right. Because I'm not – I mean, this is not realistic. I mean, could they? Sure. But I'm not going to say that. Uh, but I, I think when you look at that opening nine-game stretch, it really is about as favorable as you're going to get um, for the Huskers – Northwestern in Dublin, then North Dakota, Georgia Southern, and Oklahoma three weeks in a row at home, then a bye week, then Indiana and Lincoln. So they don't leave Lincoln again after they get back from Dublin for 41 days. Hmm. That's uh, Yeah, and I noticed that too, like looking at the – when I was writing out the, the schedule. And so that's certainly going to be an advantage uh, for gaining early season momentum. One of the things I wanted to pick your brain on here is speaking of schedule changes – a lot of people keep asking about that September 3rd North Dakota game and the fact that it is the following week after they get back from Ireland. Do you anticipate that staying on the schedule as is? Yes. Yes. You don't think cuz I remember last year they wanted to they wanted that week off. Well, to just kind of like that was readjust. Pl- that was to play Buffalo though. It's true. And I I I think or they, they had the buy. So the, the a quality of opponents factors yeah, in. Yeah, I mean, if you can't beat an FCS team, that a non-playoff FCS team, um, you know, North Dakota's a middle-of-the-road FCS team. Mm-hmm. If you can't beat them, you got problems. And having an early September home game, there's a lot of value there right. when it comes to recruiting. So, okay. Yeah, because I know a lot of people have been asking about that. And I just going back to what their plan last year you know, Scott had talked a lot about wanting that week off just to kind of get their their legs back under. But yeah, I mean, the fact that there's a big difference between Buffalo and North Dakota, and I, I think that that makes a lot of sense that they wouldn't move that. But so I mean, if if that's the case, um, which I don't see why it wouldn't be, that's that's a pretty good start to the year. The fact that you know, obviously, you start off as like like last year, uh, the tone of the season is going to be set right out of the gate with how they play um, out in Ireland against Northwestern but then if they're able to win that one you have likely two more wins following that and so you're going to be potentially 3 and 0 going into Oklahoma. And Oklahoma's Oklahoma. We know their history and and their pedigree, but they lose 14 starters as of today. They might lose more, 
They lost their top two quarterbacks. They don't really have a quarterback yet, and they've got a new coach, new coordinators. Um, so it it's a it's going to be a completely different Oklahoma yeah. team. If you're going to play Oklahoma as Nebraska right now, that's this is probably as ideal of a circumstance as you could get. The fact that it is at home, you're going to potentially have some momentum built up to where you're feeling good about yourself as a team. So, um, and then then you get a bye week right after that. So, it, yeah, I mean it's a pretty favorable start to the year that. If Nebraska can somehow find a way to take advantage of that for once and finally get off to a hot start, uh, it's been a long time since that's happened. They've been behind the eight ball to start the year pretty much every season, certainly since Scott Frost has been here, but maybe even before that. Oh, yeah. And just to have that, that, that confidence and that, that, that swagger coming into or coming out of the, the month of September, uh, that's a luxury that you know I don't think it's talked about enough of how important it is to setting the tone for the rest of your season. Well, in the bye weeks – went from October 8th and October 29th to now September 24th and October 22nd. So a little bit more balance to those buys. I noticed that not one Big Ten team now on the new schedule, Robin, has a November bye week. Um, The Big Ten um, will make everybody play the final four weekends of the year. Um, So nobody's going to get that late season advantage Mm -hmm. um, by having maybe an off week. You know, like Nebraska had an off week this year in November before they went to Wisconsin. I mean, that's a pretty significant advantage that time of the year. Um, but everybody else only has um, one. Nebraska gets two. Northwestern gets two. Illinois plays week zero again. Uh, they'll play Wyoming on uh, week zero. So, um, yeah, there, there's a lot of intrigue with the schedule. Um, to me, the whole – the back stretch is going to be the toughest. I mean, you got Minnesota, as we know – who's had their number the last couple of years, but you go at Michigan, then Wisconsin, then at Iowa. So two of your final three on the road um, against really three teams that have had your number for a long time. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about the two probably favorites in the West. or so Well, of that final four games, probably three, the three favorites in the West, and then Michigan, who's the reigning Big Ten champion. So certainly a gauntlet, which makes that first half of the season so important. And then you know, I'll, I'll expand that, you know, that, that middle section there where Indiana, you know, they're coming off a really disappointing season. Uh, Rutgers, you know, who, who knows what they're going to be. But then Purdue and Illinois, those are the games that if you're really taking a step forward as a program, Nebraska has to start winning. Uh, those are no longer uh, games that you look at and say that's a winnable game for for this program because no. they haven't won them they haven't won them nearly enough and so that uh that stretch will i think it should be just as defining uh as far as how successful this season can be as maybe uh the, the back end yeah that purdue rutgers that at rutgers at purdue is a sneaky big stretch the back-to-back road games and you know I, i'm not saying this is going to happen but could the big 10 try to make one of those a friday night game um those are two venues that have been known to get Friday night games. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see that that's still going to come. They, that, that part of the schedule is not done until the networks get their their um, peek at it. But the Big Ten has traditionally played at least two or three Friday night games. And usually the Rutgers and the Maryland's and Illinois, those are the teams that get those games. Now Nebraska plays Black Friday already. Um, so hopefully that's not the case. Um but, something, something to watch, though. I didn't even yeah, think about that. Yeah, I, I look at those two, and, and I smell a Friday game there for some reason. Well, like, those would be the two because, uh, I mean, they're not going to move Michigan, and they're not going to move any of Nebraska's home games. So uh, that basically nails it down to those two games as your potential options. And like you said, Rutgers those, are the, sense. those are the type of venues that don't mind playing on Friday night. Yeah, I, I guess a lot of it is depending on Rutgers' schedule. Like who else – I've got their schedule uh, pulled up here. Who else does Rutgers have – 
on their schedule that they could, you know, potentially play Friday. They have Iowa early in the year, week four. That could easily be a Friday night game as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have Michigan um, November 5th. Now, I don't think they'd play a November 5th Friday night game. Um, but, yeah, Rutgers is a team that they like to give Friday night games to. Maryland is a team they like to give Friday night games to at home. So um, you look at the Maryland schedule, they have Michigan State and Purdue and Northwestern all at home um, in kind of that same sandwich of schedule. Um, so, yeah, there, there's definitely possibilities, Robin. Well, for, and Rutgers' bye week is right after that Nebraska game, too. So maybe they would be more inclined to wanting the Friday. Exactly. If you're going to play a short week, might as well do it the way the right before you buy. So, yeah, there, there's the, the meat is out of the schedule, but I, I still think learning the kickoff times and maybe a couple Friday kicks in the conference will be something to watch. But when we come back, Robin, I want to talk transfer portal, recruiting class, the balance of numbers, where that's at. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washed, as uh, talking the balance of numbers now in recruiting going forward. But before we get to that, this segment is brought to you by the Nebraska football game in versus Northwestern that will take place in Dublin, Ireland, the 2022 Air Lingus Classic. If you have not booked your trip yet, Still time to get on to Huskers2Ireland.com. Uh, plenty of options available still for the trip. Um, they also have um, options now to book your flights, not just with Aer Lingus. They have options with Delta and American and United. Um, you want to check out the website, Huskers2Ireland.com. And I am told possibly right by the end of this month, we might see individual game tickets come for sale. And that's big because a lot of folks listening may have already booked their flights or may have already got their Airbnb or their hotels, but they don't have their tickets yet. Uh, because right now, the only way you can get a game ticket is if you were to buy one of these Huskers to Ireland packages. Well, sometime here in the coming weeks, the hope is the general game tickets would be released to both Nebraska and Northwestern. So that will give you an opportunity to buy tickets to the 2022 Aer Lingus Classic if you've done your own travel arrangement. So that's something else to keep your eyes on. But visit the website, huskers2ireland.com. Uh, Robin, well, let's talk about scholarship numbers now for Nebraska. It's been interesting. Um, you know, back in June, everybody was really freaking out about the low numbers. And nobody, you know, nobody could really wrap their arms around that Nebraska was going to take a small class. Nobody wanted to believe it. Um, they didn't understand it. And I get it, you know, the quali- they didn't get a lot of four stars in their number of guys they've taken. They've got just one in their 14, and the rest are three stars. Um, but I-, I think the plan has always been transfer portal, and right now we're looking at a blend of 14 traditional recruits with 10 portal guys. So you're really at a 58 to 42% blend um, in-, in the numbers right now as far as traditional versus portal. And you just get the feeling, Robin, that's where recruiting's going long term. 
Well, yeah. I mean, I think the the transfer portal is is here to stay and will continue to be a primary resource on the recruiting front. You basically get after your top priority high school guys and you fill out the rest of your roster with transfers. I mean, I think that's just kind of the the nature of not just college football now, but college sports. You've seen it in basketball for a long time now, and uh, I think it's finally made its way over to football where that's that's just going to be part of the process now. So um, part of it – I'm sure just had to do with Nebraska's roster makeup, the fact that they had so many underclassmen, they needed some balance. And, you know, maybe the other issue here is they needed some immediate impact guys. They needed someone to come in and have roles right away that can make this team better from day one uh, in a extremely critical 2022 season that, um, you know, you need to get good right now. So I think there were a lot of factors in play for why this class shaped up the way that it did but uh, I do think that you're right that you know the, the transfer portal is it's not going anywhere and a program like Nebraska can benefit from it as much as anyone just with um, you know the opportunities they have but also uh, you know some of the recruiting disadvantages that can make up with it and still some spots left um, Robin Nebraska could take I mean they're looking at a defensive lineman maybe a linebacker maybe a uh, uh, a quarterback, maybe an offensive lineman, and and that's all within the transfer portal, and that's where the numbers game gets interesting, um, based on just you know who's on scholarship, who's not in terms of walk-ons. Any walk-on that got put on last year, those are just one-year deals. Mm-hmm. So some of those guys, you know, may not be on next year, and you you can operate at eighty-eight scholarships up and you know through spring ball. You you can be over, but you've got to have a plan to be at 85 and and that's the key and I know everybody freaks out about the numbers but you got to know what you're talking about and how the numbers work you can be at a plus three and you can be over plus three as long as you have a plan to get 285. So your sense I mean just from, from people you talk to is that this isn't a deal where Nebraska is just kind of scrambling to figure the roster out. Like they, they've got a pretty good idea of how this is all going to shake out in the end, right? Because I know there's a lot of people saying, like, well, what are they going to do? They're, they're this many over. Like, who, what, what's going to have to happen for them to have room? Like, I'm pretty sure that they have a pretty idea about how this is all going to, all going to factor out and, and it's all going to be fine when all is said and done. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of it's, like I said, the walk ons that might've been on deals. I mean, the only walk on that's not on a one year deal is Trent Hickson. Um, he was put on for a multi-year agreement. That's how it was announced. Any other walk on that got put on, those are one year renewable, like white lever. He's not guaranteed one next year. Technically Jack West Jantz also not guaranteed one next year. Mm. So, um, there's a lot of things to watch with the numbers. Um, but yeah, you know, there's there, and there, there's some more attrition that's going to happen. I mean, Daniel Cherney, people are still counting him. He's gone. Like he's going to be medical. Mm-hmm. And Tate Wildeman, will he guy like that be back? I mean, there's there's a lot of you know Michael Lynn. I mean, you go down the line of linemen and players that aren't in the mix. Um, but you know the the data on the portal is real. I mean, over a thousand players have been into the portal, and about thirty some percent have landed at new schools. Crazy. Yeah, and then that's that's part of you know what we've seen with basketball for the longest time. There's only so many scholarships that uh, are out there at the Power Five level, and so all these guys that are looking for greener pastures somewhere else are kind of learning a harsh reality. So that's where you know I don't like I said the transfer portal is not going away, but I could see it maybe toning down a little bit just as far as the volume of players that enter. But coaches are going to start pushing guys out. Sure, sure, and I'm sure there's going to be guys that enter the portal but you know might return to their previous school just to test the water as long as they're allowed to return exactly so i mean you'll probably start seeing some 
maybe verbal agreements on stuff like that for giving guys that opportunity. But, uh, you know, this is still very much uh, a, a learn-as-you-go type situation for everybody involved, players, coaches, and, and athletic departments alike. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett. Um, you know, I think something, too, that is interesting is the, the one-time transfer rule over time. Will this be modified? Because right now, you know, you technically can only transfer once. Then you got to get a waiver or be a grad transfer to be eligible for the next transfer. Um, and I, I think long-term, that's probably the next domino that's going to fall because you are going to have guys, unfortunately, transfer twice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, another issue, too, is like the hardship waiver. Like, you, there's a lot of leeway uh, that you can make a case for why you want to transfer. It can be for a variety of reasons. And I wonder how much that's going to be utilized going forward. But you know, going back to just the numbers in the transfer portal, how much do you think this exceedingly high number is because of the, the COVID year and the lack of evaluation, not just from coaches knowing what they're getting with players, but players not knowing the situations that they're getting themselves into and basically having to decide on a school through Zoom conversations and, and virtual tours. Yeah, I, I, I think some of it too is just the extra year. I mean, the NCAA thought they were doing everybody a service by not counting 2020, um, but instead it ends up being a disservice because um, you have now six people that you have to fit into a car that only has five seats. Mm -hmm. And that's the analogy I like to use. Um, How do you get five people or six people into a car that only seats five? And that is the scholarship battle everybody faces right now in the major sports, but particularly football. And so you're seeing people squeezed out of the car. And then all of those guys are sitting in the portal right now. And then at the same time, people are trying to upgrade their teams with what's in the portal. Um, So it's a mess. And, you know, the players are in a really, really tough position because of the numbers. And the NCAA created this because of the COVID year. And this is when they thought that the Big Ten wasn't going to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think when you look at it now, they should have just said, okay, if your team does play, you know, and you play, that that should count. But, like, if you're a guy that would have opted out of the year, th- those are the guys that maybe could have been granted an extra year of eligibility. There are a handful of guys that just did not want to play because of the safety issues of COVID. And I, I get it. Those guys should have been given a free year. But I think if you played eight or ten games in 2020, that probably should have counted as a year of eligibility. But it didn't. And that's why we're kind of in this mess. Yeah, I think the idea behind it was you know, well-intended. But there's a lot of factors and ripple effect that I don't think got considered and this is this is part of it to where uh you know while you're thinking you're helping the student athlete uh in the short term now we're starting to see the long-term issues that, that are coming from this where guys are lo- <laughs> you know losing scholarships uh because of roster numbers and, and the crunch that you know coaches and uh, are under to balance out their scholarship totals and uh, that's kind of one of those unintended consequences where You know, granted, it's kind of an unprecedented deal, and I don't know if there was a perfect solution to this, especially with every conference and every league doing their own thing. Uh, But, you know, I I guess this this is one of those deals where you thought that you were making the right call, uh, you know, to to do the best for your your, your programs and your student-athletes, but now... Uh, there's there's the other side to it that you know teams are going to have and players are going to have to continue to navigate for the next few years. All right, we're going to take your questions next here in the mailbag. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. 
This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, taking your questions here in the mailbag. We're without Abby Barmore today. She'll be hopefully back with us next week. Um, but, Robin, lots of questions to get into. Uh, first one, Chubba Purdy. Is he still in Nebraska lean, or is he going to go to Oklahoma? And it's a great question. Chubba Purdy will be in Lincoln this weekend for his official visit uh, with his family he was in Oklahoma um, over the week earlier in the week for his official there. Um, my read, though, Oklahoma's got Dylan Gabriel, just like Nebraska's got Casey Thompson um, locked in the bag. And by the way, I don't even think we've talked about Casey Thompson. I guess we kind of hinted we thought he was coming last week, but um, Nebraska's got Casey Thompson on board, and they would like to get Chuba. And you get the sense Oklahoma's in the same boat. They have Dylan Gabriel. They'd like to get Chuba, but uh, Jackson Dart the USC quarterback mm-hmm. is highly considering Oklahoma now. Yeah. So n- nothing is ever settled with this deal. I mean, guys will literally commit to a school by <laughs> the transfer portal and then another transfer will pop up and then they'll go to another school. So as you've said many times uh, with these transfer commitments, uh, nothing is final until they are literally on campus and practicing for your football team. So uh, a lot left can happen and probably will happen. Uh, but, you know, at least Nebraska appears to have their their preferred choice in Thompson on board. Uh, and then if they can add maybe a little bit more depth to that with a guy like Purdy who has four years of eligibility, that would make some sense uh, just to not only get the address the here and now starting situation, but also give them someone that, uh, you know, Mark Whipple has identified as a guy that uh, he, he really likes and, and could probably groom for the future. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we take questions in the mailbag. Another name to watch and uh, asked about it is uh, Stilpera. He's a defensive lineman out of Miami, and he's a one-year uh, football player that, that's available in the porter, uh, portal. Nesta Jade Silvera um, from the University of Miami played almost 1,200 snaps for the Hurricanes. Um, he played over 400 snaps each of the last two seasons. He's a one-year-to-play guy. I think Nebraska's definitely in it with him. That is a guy to watch. Um, we get a lot of questions in the chat as well about Trayvon Shorts from East Tennessee State. Everything I've continued to heard is he's going to come visiting Nebraska. Now, I'm reading reports from other uh, entities, and he's not mentioning Nebraska. So um, my feel has always been, and the people I talk to always have believed that he's going to be in Lincoln this weekend. Um, I've heard differing reports on that, so we'll we'll see if Traymond Shorts does indeed make it in. He's the offensive lineman who was an FCS All-American at East Tennessee State. Um, let's see, what about Trey Palmer? Do you think he's a duck R position First of all, should we just scrap the duck art? Can we just call it a slot? That was like one of the most hotly contested uh, or debated issues during that chat was whether or not we should still continue to refer to it as the duck R. Let's just call it a slot receiver. Yeah, I mean, How come about on. That? <laughs> For one, I don't even know if that's even a position anymore under, under Whipple, but... Either way, yes, I do think that he could be a slot receiver similar to how they used Samari Torre, where he can be inside, outside, and uh, you know, versatility is the name of the game, um, especially with off or receivers in these types of offenses. So, yeah, I wouldn't pigeonhole him into just one, one name for a position. I think he could play a variety of spots, but certainly slot is one of them. And Trey Palmer um... – you know, I love the addition to him as a as a special teams guy. He's returned a punt and a kick before in a game over his career. 
Um, how many guys on the roster have done that, Robin Washington? Zero. So they've upgraded. They've got a new kicker. They've got a new punter. They've got a new long snapper. They've got a return specialist who's return kicks and punts. By the way, he runs like a like a 10-4 in the 100, mm-hmm. Trey Palmer. Yeah. So weapons, you know, that's one of the things that you know Scott said a lot last year was, you know, he thought that, uh, that they did – they did a lot of things well on special teams, despite all the uh, the backlash they got there. But uh, when it comes down to it, you need your specialists to to execute at a high level. And Nebraska did not have that nearly uh, at all last year. And so now, by upgrading every one of those spots, hopefully paired with uh, you know the the addition of Bill Bush as the full time special teams coach, that that will take that phase of the game to where it needs to be to where it's not just you know being competent enough to not lose games but being good enough to win you some got a question on Tyreek Johnson the former five-star who transferred here a year ago from Ohio State is he in the mix to be a factor at corner sure Um, but you know I I don't see him being on the field I mean I I think what really jumped out to me Robin last year is Tyreek Johnson didn't travel Mm -hmm. didn't play special teams and you know if you're not in that type of rotation it just tells me where you're at and for him to even get in that mix, he's going to need a really big spring and and compete because right now, you know, it, you know, Tommy Hill's here now. Quentin Newsom's back. Um, they, they've got options at corner, and he's got to really prove himself this spring. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, just what he was projected to be when he committed as a former five-star Ohio State corner, and then for him to – he barely even saw the field and didn't even travel to games, and uh, that's a pretty big uh, indicator of – where exactly he stands in this pecking order so sure he he probably has the potential to uh, you know maybe become the player uh everyone thought he was going to be but right now we just haven't seen nearly enough to think that's that's going to happen all right robin got a basketball question for you um the news of fred hoiberg's contract extension got out this week that he was extended by bill moose in june of 2020 mm-hmm. um when really everything in the world was shut down um, in terms of, you know, people are being furloughed and things are being cut. He got a, a extension right at that point. It's increased the buyout to over $18 million for Fred Hoiberg. What are your thoughts on just the news of this and how it all got out this week? It's strange. Um, you know, there's, there's no denying that. Uh, not only the fact that uh, it happened when it did, right in the you know height of a, a sports shutdown in the summer of a pandemic year uh but the fact that nobody knew about it until you know almost two years later that's it's, it's unusual uh but you know i guess as far as the awarding the contract extension that's kind of how bill moose has always operated he did the same thing with scott frost granted everybody knew about it and it happened not in the middle of a pandemic year but uh you go back to when he was at washington state he did the same thing with ernie kent um, their head men's basketball coach extended him a couple times and probably was going to do it again uh before he ended up taking the nebraska job so he's got a track record of giving pretty frequent extensions for his oh, you mean the Washington State job for Moose because he went from Oregon to Washington State and Dana Altman's been at Oregon for years. Yeah, at Washington State. Oh, okay, not at Oregon. No, not Ernie, Ernie Kent was at Oregon I, and Washington yeah, State, right? But he worked under Mill. For, okay, for okay, Mills got at you. Washington State, got you. And so, uh, yeah. So anyway, that's kind of the, it's just weird, you know, like the the, the timing of the extension uh, and then the fact that they kept it under wraps for so long and no one knew about it. You, know, you got to wonder why it got out when it did. It seems like maybe there was some some methodology behind that. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, final question, your thoughts on the national championship game. It delivered really the lowest rating we've seen uh, for a national championship game 
other than the pandemic year, which I think you throw ratings out for all, all things that year. For whatever reason, nobody watched sports during 2020. Just strange because that's all I did. And, and no, <laughs> I, I don't understand that, by the way. Crowds were limited. You couldn't go. And you would think that would just generate huge TV ratings. And 2020 delivered terrible TV numbers for the NFL, for college football, for everything. Yeah, I I don't understand that. Do I you? I don't either. Because again, like as far as my personal experience goes, uh, I was watching a lot of sports. I probably watched more NBA during the COVID year than I ever have since I was a little kid. One of the funner sports moments of the COVID year was when that Last Dance um, documentary came on ESPN, and mm-hmm. everybody was like, "There's no games on," so everybody was watching that. And then Korean baseball was like the first yeah. thing that came back. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's the people that got way into that, way too into that. But uh, yeah, the national championship game, Georgia's Georgia's an unbelievable defense. I, that when I watched that game, their defensive front, I don't know who could run the ball. If Michigan couldn't run the ball on those guys, and Alabama can't run the ball on those guys, I don't know anybody can run the ball on those guys. That's what jumped out as anything. And I, I'm sure the ratings just went to just SEC fatigue. You know where. In that part of the country, I'm sure the ratings are great, but everybody else is tired of watching Alabama play for a national championship. And, yeah, it's a new SEC team in Georgia, but it's still SEC. And so that, I think, kind of took some of the shine off of it. Uh, but as far as just watching that game, uh, you know, I was entertained by it, and mostly because you just sit back in awe and look at the talent level of both of those teams, particularly in the trenches. The the play on the offensive and defensive lines on both sides of, those, of the ball uh, – with both teams it was incredible it's just one of those deals where you know you look back at what we watched you know even in the big 10 and it was nothing like what we saw that that's that shows the gap between those teams that are legitimately competing for national championships and everybody else you're listening here to the husker online show as um we wrap things up we come back nebraska basketball robin is going to play a friday night game we'll hit on that talk about the close loss to illinois and and what's ahead with trey mcgowns you're listening here to the husker online show This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan and Robin Washett. As uh, we are talking Nebraska basketball, Robin, and kind of the same old, same old story. Um, Nebraska hosted Illinois on a Monday night game and comes up short. Tuesday uh, night. Tuesday night, I'm sorry. Tuesday night comes up short in that loss. 81-71. Now they're on the road Friday against one of the best teams in the country, Purdue. Uh, for a 5.30 Central Time game against the Boilermakers before having to come back home on a Monday, um, which um, Nebraska doesn't play a lot of Monday night games, do they? That's generally like the Big 12 ACC. Well, it's, it's the Martin Luther King Day, so there's they're packing that thing up. The Big 10 is playing games, I think, as early as like 10 o'clock in the morning. I think Illinois is actually playing at like 10 or 11 in the morning, so they're going to have a, a full slate, and I think conferences are just kind of taking advantage of that day off window. So Nebraska will play Indiana Monday, but I want to get to Illinois. I mean, just kind of what you we've seen all year, moments of, wow, they can shoot the basketball, and they get up and get hot. Uh, but you just knew, at least my feel watching, it was like, all right, well, this 12-point lead or whatever it got up to is really not safe um, because Nebraska just, for whatever reason, is not built to go blow for blow with legitimate Big Ten teams like Illinois. Yeah, and – you know, for stretches, they couldn't have played much better. Uh, the first three minutes of the first half and the final three minutes of the first half. And then, quite frankly, for the first, what, 14 minutes 
yeah, or no, 16 minutes of the 17 minutes of the second half, uh, they were right there to where, you know, you're in the under four timeout. Bryce McGowan hits two free throws to 65, 65, uh, Kofi Coburn just picked up his fourth foul. He's out of the game. It was right there for him. Uh, but the difference was Nebraska is still a team that just doesn't know how to win. They got a lot, got a lot of young guys that don't have that killer mentality that, Guys like Illinois, Trent Frazier, who dropped 28 points, he took that game over. And, you know, they had a, a lot of veteran players for Illinois step up and make critical plays down the stretch that ultimately turned a potential upset into a double-digit victory for them. So uh, that's the difference right now with Nebraska, where they can play well enough to compete uh, against a lot of teams in this conference. So for, for every Michigan, Auburn, Rutgers game, you get efforts like Illinois or Ohio State or Michigan State or NC State to where Nebraska has every opportunity to to win a game. And they've shown that they're talented enough to compete with the majority of the teams on their schedule. But the difference is right now they just don't have that killer instinct to finish games. Uh, and that's that's been the stretch starting from the season opener against Western Illinois and, and on through a lot of these close losses that – quite frankly, should have been wins. And if they somehow find a way to close out these games that were right there for the tanking, we have a completely different conversation about what this season is right now. But they don't, and they lost all those games. And now they're sitting here, uh, you know, really just trying to salvage uh, whatever is remaining of their season to try to find something to finally feel good about. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk Nebraska basketball, Robin and you know, Bryce McGowns, I mean, there, there continues, though, to be moments where you can see his brilliance as a player, how what kind of player he is and what he's going to be at the next level. Um, and then, you know, there are moments where he plays like a young guy. But I thought against Illinois, there were some flashes in that game where you're like, okay. Yeah, finally saw a little bit of alpha out of him where, you know, he threw down those donks and they were just donks. They were with authority. One of them was where Kofi Coburn himself, you know, the biggest, baddest dude in the league, made a business decision and said, you know what, go ahead, young buck, <laughs> you throw that one down. So that's good to see because uh, that's the knock on him right now. Um, in a lot of cases, especially defensively, people have you know called Bryce McGowan soft. And it's, it's hard to argue that to where, I mean, you know, he, for one, he'll be the first one to tell you that uh, he needs to get bigger and stronger to be able to, to finish better and, and take contact in the lane better than he has. But, you know, he's just kind of a little passive to where he kind of stands around a little bit. And for a player that is as important to Nebraska's lineup as he is, he needs to be more assertive. He needs to be more aggressive and he needs to play tougher. And you finally started to see a little bit of that, a little bit more of that against Illinois. So hopefully that continues and he continues to grow up uh, and get more comfortable. And uh, like I said, play, play with a little bit more of that, uh, that alpha mentality that, that he needs to have, especially if he's going to make the jump to the NBA next year. And then Robin, the big news, Trey McGowns will be back um, on the court this week on Friday and presumably Monday against Indiana. What are your expectations for Trey's return? And we'll see about the Purdue game. I mean, he will be available to play. He was officially cleared on Wednesday. Uh, so, I mean, he'll be in uniform and uh, the, I mean, if they need him, they'll play him. And if, if he does play, I would imagine that it'll be pretty limited, like maybe in that like 10, maybe 15 minutes tops because uh, he's got some acclimation to get through physically. I mean, he's it's been a long layoff for him. He's missed, what, 14 games since breaking his foot against Creighton. And that's just a long time of not playing high-level basketball, playing competitive basketball. Uh, and there's one thing to be in shape, but it's another thing to be in Big Ten basketball shape. So that's 
that's going to be an adjustment to just get his lungs back under him and, you know, get his legs back under him. So in the meantime, I would anticipate his role being limited compared to, you know, the 30, 35 minutes a game he was playing before his injury. But without question, uh, I mean, once he does get back to 100% uh, with his conditioning, he's their best perimeter defender. Uh, he gives him another ball handler that can help facilitate the offense. He's an explosive, dynamic athlete at the rim. Uh, but more more than anything, he's their best vocal leader. And just having that presence on the court and not standing around and uh, you know sitting on a scooter from the bench, that makes a big difference, especially for a young team like we just talked about that that is trying to find that killer instinct to put games yeah, away. Yeah, I mean, they're having to play – you know, Toganama a little bit more. Than yeah, Kese's play, I mean. He's probably playing 10 more minutes be, a game. He than should not be starting in the Big Ten. No, I mean, he, he is a great bench guy. Um, CJ's had to pick up more minutes. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of guys have had to pick up those minutes, and if they can get him back in there at the 20-plus minutes per game, that's going to make a big difference. Yeah, and ideally he's playing you know upwards around 30 uh, just because he is such a critical piece for them defensively. Uh, he makes such a big difference. You know, Look at all the three-pointers Nebraska has been giving up. That's because they don't have anybody that's nearly as active as he is on the ball disrupting just the, the flow of the half-court offense. So, yeah, like I said, it's going to be you know take some time for him to, to get back to that form, but just his presence back on the floor is going to be such a shot in the arm for a team that, that needs all the motive or inspiration they can get right now. All right, well, that wraps it up. Nebraska, once again, will play Friday against Purdue, 5.30, game on FS1, and then they're back home for a 5 p.m. game on the Martin Luther King Day holiday against Indiana. Robin will have full coverage. We'll also have full coverage of the recruiting weekend as well. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.